the Play Ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday. It's just me today. It is Monday, May 10th. Yes, indeed. Sorry for the delay in getting out the podcast, but I've warned you guys before that uh, Monday shows are typically coming a little later, not that early morning release like most of the other shows are. But here we are, regardless, uh, after a busy weekend, uh, a great night of boxing, Saturday night. Uh, which we'll get immediately to, but I do want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, the families. I hope I hope everyone had a wonderful Sunday uh, with their moms or honoring their moms uh, in some way or another. And, you know, Mother's Day is interesting. I think it's all about being together, right? You know, moms, uh, they don't get time away from uh, the busyness out there, but uh, I think they wouldn't have it any other way to kind of be around everybody. Although I'm sure there's some moms out there that, just, uh, I don't know, want to take the day for themselves and, uh, I don't know, go to a spa or something, whatever whatever moms like to do. But happy Mother's Day to all and to the new mothers out there. I hope your first Mother's Day was uh, a memorable one. Anyway, uh, we, we had we had some uh, family over. We, we cooked up some food, or Val, of course, did most of the cooking. Uh, I helped a little. I cut the bread and buttered it and did that kind of stuff, right? So I contribute any way I can as to, to the guys out there, I'm sure. Uh, some guys are grill masters and could cook up things quite well. But, you know, if we're honest, uh, we try to help in the kitchen with the ladies. But we, we also try to stay out of the way. It's a fine line, right, fellas? It's a fine line. Anyway, uh, let me get to some things here. Uh, first off, uh, Saturday night, as I mentioned, boxing. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, a huge night for DAZN. If you have that channel, I've mentioned it to you guys before. Uh, DAZN is a su- subscription-based channel where you can get it for like a month for 20 bucks or something. So that's kind of the pay-per-view aspect of it. Or you can pay like a hundred dollars for a year and get all the fights that they put on it. It's the best money I personally have spent uh, being the boxing fan that I am. And um, just to know that you get all those fights, you don't have to, you know, purchase it weekly or whatever. So a pretty good price. And, And I think in moving forward, they'll probably increase the monthly subscription just so that people buy the annual subscription, but a, a great night of boxing down in Dallas. Canelo Alvarez defeats Billy Joe Saunders by uh, TKO at the end of the eighth round. Saunders could not continue after a vicious uppercut from Canelo Alvarez that actually broke his orbital bone or a couple of bones there in his cheek. And what was interesting is when Canelo went to his corner. I mean, he told his trainer, or maybe it was after, before the news was announced that uh, uh, Billy Joe Saunders did in fact uh, break a bone in there. Canelo said, yeah, I broke his cheek. I mean, I don't know how a fighter can feel that, can feel it with with the blow. Uh, That comes from experience, I'm sure. But uh, how crazy is that? I don't know if you guys saw it, probably saw the highlights. I honestly thought a really, really good fight uh, going in. It was... um, it, it was uh, full of drama, right? A big buildup. Billy Joe Saunders was undefeated. This is for the super middleweight 
uh, title or at least three of the belts. Canelo had two. He won a Billy Joe Saunders uh, belt. So uh, it was a unification fight. And, you know, Saunders haven't been previously unbeaten 30, 30, you know, 14 knockouts. I mean, a uh, really proven fighter out of the UK. And uh, I was really looking forward to this. I thought the fight delivered. I thought Canelo was kind of his typical self, kind of feeling guys out, you know, and, and Saunders got pretty aggressive. I thought Saunders won at least two rounds. Uh, some people were saying, no, he didn't, he didn't win uh, that many rounds. What are you looking at from some of the broadcasters and such? But I thought Saunders put up a good fight, no pun intended. Um, but Canelo is just, he's so sneaky. He's, he's so quick. Every time Saunders kind of started to get some momentum and puts, put some punches together, it was Canelo kind of, uh, you know, counterpunching and re- recoiling and getting away from him. It was just really, really good fight. I mean, the introductions were, were kind of funny. Um, you know, Saunders getting booed there down in Texas at, because most, most of the fan fan base there was, was a big Canelo fan, right? It's a big, uh, Mexican following. He's the, probably the greatest athlete in, in Mexico history, I would argue, but I, I'm sure there's some other fighters and other athletes as well who uh, are on that list. But he, he has a, I can't think of a guy that the country loves a country loves more than Canelo Alvarez. That's one of the things in, in fighting and boxing that I really like is there is that huge sense of, of national pride. I like seeing different countries fight each other because you do see uh, the craze, the, the fan, the fandom, right? It's, it's not just you're a fan of this guy. Hey, this guy represents us. This guy represents our country. And so you saw that Saturday night with uh, uh, Bill, Billy Joe Saunders with uh, his British following and then Canelo Alvarez, Alvarez with his uh, Mexican following. Three national anthems. I, I thought, um, you know, I've been around uh, baseball games where we've had multiple national anthems. And, and I think it was quite the show Saturday night. The, the long entrance Canelo with the mariachi trumpets and the song and the dance and uh, Saunders kind of came out by himself, just kind of looked pretty confident. And again, as soon as they, 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 they started swinging at each other, I thought the fight was pretty, pretty, pretty good, a uh, pretty good contest. And Saunders, some argued were, was actually winning the fight, you know, after I don't, I wouldn't go that far, but I would go as far to say that he won at least two rounds, maybe three, but Canelo, probably uh you know or definitely won most of the fight the majority of the fight there uh so really really good and i hope you guys got a chance to see it if you haven't uh, go check out the highlights or whatever but canelo alvarez he is worth the price of admission man every time i see him fight i learn something uh, i see you know the just the the sweet science uh, that that boxing is so canelo alvarez congrats to him he improves to 56 one and two on his uh, stellar career Saunders falls to 30 and one and hopefully he's okay. Cause he's, he did break some, some orbital bone in his, uh, in his cheek there. So his eye was swollen shut. He went to the corner, his trainer looked at him and they were like, no, we're done. He can't. Cause it was the eighth round where Canelo really took off and just absolutely put a beat down on Saunders. Absolutely. And I was sitting to myself, sitting, saying to myself, sitting there, I was going, you know, he keep Canelo keeps trying to throw that uppercut every time, every time Saunders gets close to him. Right. And Saunders kept blocking it, but I'm like, man, if he lands one of those, if he's able to get under him and really uh, thinking maybe it would be at his chin. Right. But Saunders was like, he was getting low, he was ducking his head. So that's why the uppercut landed on his, uh, on his cheek there and, and, you know, cut his eye so or swole his eye up. 
And uh, I was like, there, there it is. There it is. I thought it would, it would hit him in the chin and drop him, but uh, he was able to, you could see he kind of stuttered around, stumbled around and was not quite himself after that. And Canelo knew it, you know, he knew it when he punched him, he said, yeah, I broke his cheek, but he knew it. And he started, uh, you know, rev, revving up the crowd and, you know, stuff you don't really see from Canelo. He's all business. Right. But he started to hoop up the crowd in between uh, attacks and uh, he could smell blood. He could smell it in the water. And uh, that was all she wrote for Billy Joe Saunders. So congrats to Canelo Alvarez on now the uh, three, three belt holder of the super middleweight uh, crown. He's got one left. Uh, that's against uh, Clay, Caleb Plant. I hope that fight happens here soon. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see when that happens down the road. But for now, hopefully it's September. Canelo uh, apparently is... is um, scheduled not scheduled yet but uh all signs point to him fighting again in september so i'm looking forward to that maybe labor day weekend or something how great is that another canelo alvarez fight as football season is just getting started college and pro what a great time of year that will be the end of summer if you will um you know what was amazing about dallas and the crowd there i gotta tell you i was fired up seeing it uh 73,000 people in attendance at Dallas, at Jerry World, AT&T Stadiums, technically in Arlington, uh, but that's the neighboring city there at Dallas. And what a sight, man. I don't know how you can see anything down in that little boxing ring when you're sitting up real high. I mean, you got the huge uh, Jumbotron there, which is definitely a good, <laughs> you know, if you're going to have one uh, there or have a, a boxing fight there, that's a good place to have it because of the, the huge screen. But 73,000 people there, man. It was awesome seeing it. I was like, yeah, enough of this 25% capacity crowds and places and things. No, full capacity. And there was a ton of people there. It was the largest indoor boxing event ever. Uh, there were some other fights in England that uh, I think were like 80 plus thousand, 90 plus thousand before. But that, again, was outdoor stadium. This was an indoor event. And I know for a lot of the... Uh, the people that uh, love to live in fear, the whole coronavirus, uh, let's be scared forever crowd. They definitely did not like seeing that on Saturday night. I thought it was so cool. People saying, let's get back to doing things as we used to do. Get back to normal. You want to wear a mask? Go ahead. You don't. Hey, it's your freedom. I thought it was incredible. Kudos to DAZN, to Matchroom Boxing, to uh, Jerry Jones, AT&T Stadium, to Eddie Hearn, to Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders, putting on quite an event on Saturday night. One that I think and hope will build some momentum here for, for that, uh, you know, it's not just, hey, the uh, the uh, Texas Rangers have 100% capacity in, the, in their stadium. Uh, you know, the Atlanta Braves, God bless them. They went to 100% capacity over the weekend. And I know that really triggered some people. How could they do this? How could they have all these fans? This is, uh, we're still supposed to be terrified and scared forever. What? Yeah, there's no timetable on the virus. We need to not uh, get not get back to normal. We need a new normal. No, 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 no. Uh, getting back to uh, live events, fans in the stands, uh, incredible stuff. And I find it interesting. I do. I find it interesting. You know, Texas, Texas leads the way. They were the first state to open 100% capacity uh, with no mandates and this and that. And they seem to be doing just fine. Um, I'm sure someone somewhere is going to, oh, Matt, they have a, a rise in cases in this event in Texas. It was a super spreader. Well, you know what? I think people are, 
they're over all of the lockdowns and the uh, the over the controlling of our lives. I, I think people want to make decisions for themselves, right? They want to if hey make your own decisions. Uh, I I think we 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 know how if people act like you know that's the funny thing I see. Well, how could you do that? Well, I how could you go to an event like that with all those people? As if you don't fear like dying or or getting sick. It's not like those people are just saying, well, it's not going to happen to me because yeah, it could happen to you. You could get uh, test positive. You could, but they just don't, they refuse to live in fear over it. They refuse to live in, uh, to fear something that is 99. Okay. We'll round down 98% uh, survival rate. And you know, if you're young and, and somewhat healthy, I mean, this, this hysteria is just crazy. And what's, What's sad to me is to see the people that try to mask shame you or shame you because you don't fall in line. You don't do exactly what the media says, you know, whatever it is this week that you're supposed to guidelines, you're supposed to follow. I mean, I heard Fauci talking about how people couldn't celebrate Mother's Day and hug their moms. And so I'm like, what are you talking about? You, you're out of your mind, man, with some of this stuff. I mean, enough is enough. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You don't want to go anywhere, don't go anywhere. But you know what? If you want to go to a, a boxing, uh, the biggest fight of the year in, in Dallas and, and join 73,000 people, by all means, go for it. God bless all those in attendance. And uh, I'm sure, you know, someone somewhere will be, oh, this, this guy got sick because he went to that event, because he went to this event. Well, you can't just lock yourself in a closet forever and not do anything because uh, an asteroid might hit Earth or because you might get in a car accident. I mean, you can't live in fear forever. And, and it just, it kind of got me on a, I'm going off now, but it, it got me to think about a few things. You know, I don't like scary movies. Why? Because I don't like being scared. Some people love being scared. I don't go watch scary movies for fun. Like that's not fun for me. Um, roller coasters, there's fair heights. Okay, that is a little different because you get a, like an adrenaline rush out of it. But for me, like seeing a scary movie, that is not fun. Some people love scary movies. They love to be afraid. And I don't, it's, I don't think it's real, related really. It's just an, an analogy because I do think we're in this world where people just want to be afraid. They don't want things to go back to normal. They love this stuff. This uh, abundance of, uh, of, of caution, uh, as Dennis Prager says all the time. Um, it's just it's just nuts to me, man, that... that People shame others for wanting to live a normal life. Yes, there's a virus out there. Yes, yes, it's out there. We know. We, we, you can't not know it, all the things you hear and see. And it's just, but how do you choose to react to it? I mean, are you going to sleep, uh, you know, stay under the covers forever? At some point, you have to live your life. And I, I was so excited not just for the fight on Saturday night but to see so many people that went out there and that aren't afraid because all you hear about on the media is oh we should be afraid be afraid um it's I think people are fed up and it's crazy being here in California that you know for us we not not all of us (laughs) We, we we know that around the country other people aren't living the way we live here in California. I mean, wearing you know mask mandates outdoors, and uh, you know you 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 can't have sporting events. High school sports, thank God, just got going here in the spring. 
and other places around the country, they're like, no, we tried this. It's time to move on. Sure, there's risks, but there's risks in everything, right? So I was just so fired up to see the huge crowd in Dallas on Saturday night. And uh, of course, there's people out there that are going to that are going to tr- try to shame everyone. Look at that super spreader. How could you do that? How could you have a, a, a big event like that? Don't you know people will die? Well, uh, I'm not dismissing death. I never am. Uh, I've lost people in my life uh, well before COVID. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, death, death happens. Death, you know, none of us are getting out alive, right? And um, now you have to protect yourselves and not do stupid things, you know, but, uh, you know, run, run, uh, go play on the freeway or something, but <laughs> you also got to live your life, man. And you can't continue to live in fear. I don't like scary movies, so I don't turn them on. And if you like scary movies, by all means, watch your scary movies, be afraid. I'm not going to do it. Um, I, I think it's time to, uh, to, uh, take things to the next level here as far as, uh, living our lives. Okay. Back to the Canelo fight. Um, the official judges had it at 78, 74 for two of them and uh, 77 to 75. So basically uh, through the seven rounds that they judged, um, it was uh, four rounds for Canelo and three for Saunders. One judge had it five to two, which I thought was more, was more uh, accurate, but um, all three obviously had it in favor of, in favor of Canelo and uh, with the knockout or technical knockout that you, you obviously don't need the, the scorecards, but I thought it was a great fight, a great event, really happy to see uh, boxing make a big statement. And this has been my challenge to boxing here the past few months um, with all these different options out there. Uh, the NFL, the NFL turned into a year long conversation, always topics, right? Baseball is back. That's a long season. The NBA, they pretend to be relevant. I don't think they are, but uh, you got hockey, you got UFC. UFC does not dodge uh, big fights like boxing does. There's always excuses made in boxing. The Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua fight, which is supposed to be the biggest fight in a long time, heavyweight undisputed championship, two guys from uh, Britain rumored to be, you know, maybe fight in uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, there was a record, apparently $150 million site fee for that fight. And that deal is not done yet, but that will be a massive fight. And the battle for Britain really is what I'm going to call it. Um, but there's always these excuses made. Can you imagine another sport like last year, the Bucks and the Chiefs uh, played in the Super Bowl, right? And that, I know there's a, a setup playoff system and everything, but can you imagine another sport where, uh, the two best fighters in, or the two best fighters, the two best teams in this sport. Uh, hey, they're going to play each other, but not yet. No, no, there's, there's issues. We can't play that game yet. We got there. We, you know, there's sponsors, there's, uh, there's um, promoters, there's uh, talking about money and site fees and this and that. Can you imagine another sport postponing and just putting things off? Like now, nah, well, we're going to play the Super Bowl. We're just not sure when. We're going to wait a month or two. Okay, it'll turn into a year. It's like, what are we doing? Play the game. So boxing, they better get their act together and start putting together big fights. And it shouldn't be that difficult. You got guys who have belts, some guys, multiple belts, have them fight each other. Have the, you know, when a guy wins a few belts, have the upcoming challenger fight him. I mean, there shouldn't be all these delays. I, I give Canelo props because 
he's gone out. He usually fights like twice a year, right? And last year was different for everybody, 2020. But he usually fights uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend and sometime in September, I believe. So, but he's been active this year. He's fought a, a few times already. And he's he's gone out there. He's not afraid to put his belts on the line and to compete. And I think that's great. I mean, heck, Anthony Joshua, who's, you know, this, uh, you know, has most of the belts in the heavyweight division. He never fights. You never see him fight. He's fought a few months ago, I think. And it's just like, why are we not having these? I'm not saying guys need to fight every week. For goodness sake, I would think uh, three or four times a year. That's not asking a whole lot. But for whatever reason, the boxing promoters out there, there's always excuses made. Well, we can't get a deal done. Well, we can't. Well, get a deal done. It's your job. Don't put this. Don't postpone the Super Bowl months because you can't figure it out. And I know there's money involved and contracts. I know it's difficult, but get the job done. Take advantage of the fight fans out there who are hungry for good fights. You're going to bring boxing back. You're going to make it a huge deal if you can find a way to put big fights together. Don't put weak, weak fights on Saturday nights that no one cares about. You know, it's, it's all about uh, the styles. It's all about technique and everything, but it's also about a little bit of the drama. Like, hey, what's on the line here? What's the storyline? Make it interesting. There's no reason to postpone some of these fights. I know there are reasons, but no one wants to hear them. People like me want to see more great fights. Like we saw Saturday night, 73,000 people. Doesn't always have to be that big a crowd, but that should show you that people want to go out and watch big events like that. I don't even know what the, uh, it wasn't quite pay-per-view, but you know what I mean? The, how many people tuned in, what the ratings were. I bet, I bet it was way better, better than the Oscars. And they do that thing every year. So boxing, get your act together. I applaud Dana White and UFC because they don't screw around with this stuff. They make big fights happen. Challenge, number one challenger, champion. All right, let's go. Let's do this. Uh, guys who are in that, that upper echelon and, and get a title shot, let's do this. I mean, uh, boxing, don't, don't let uh, things slip away from you. Don't, loo- don't, don't do what the NBA does, you know, Take advantage of woke sports right now. All these other sporting events that are you know, trying to be more woke than the other. Make Take advantage. That's what UFC is doing. They're saying, well, we care about big events and, and people are hungry for something to watch without drama, right? With, or I should, I, no, I just said that. Well, we want to see drama. I mean, woke drama, politics. We don't want to see any of that stuff. I think the, the, the proof is in the... Uh, <laughs> proves in the pudding. I mean, you, you can't argue it. Well, people want to see uh, competition and athletes, athletes compete. Combat sports is a great way to do it. So my challenge to boxing is you got to pick it up. You got to take advantage of, of woke sports, make big fights, invest and just do it. Invest and do it, man. Because I tell you, there's an audience out there who's hungry for it. UFC is doing a marvelous job. Boxing's challenging. I understand with with the various uh, promoters and the, the different uh, governing bodies and the, you know, the different uh, federations. I I know it's it's a challenge to put all that together. But boxing at, at one time in this country was uh, the biggest sport, not just the, in this country too, around the world. It's very international. Fighters represent their countries. I mean, 
you see what UFC is doing and boxing needs to pick it up here and take advantage, R- roll that momentum into something great, man. Put together some big uh, playoff type fights. Like, you know, what, what's uh, college baseball is coming up here soon uh, in the, their postseason. season. You imagine instead of 64 teams, it's like, yeah, we'll play this weekend, but now we're going to wait. We'll wait, we'll wait it out. We got some things to piece together. No, you put together the top teams and you go to boxing. Quit screwing around. Make big fights like you did on Saturday night. People will tune in. I guarantee you there's an audience there and people that uh, that want to support it. So congrats to Canelo Alvarez to, to zone. And, and, and you know, what? I, one thing I like about Canelo Alvarez, he doesn't speak um, very often as far as like his interviews and such he's he's willing to do it um you know english is not his first language so he doesn't always uh, speak english uh, in his interviews and things he uses a translator which is you know hey that's where he's from it's all good um but when he does speak english i think it's him like making an effort to uh i don't know to be more known to have people in here in america uh, appreciate him more. I don't know exactly. I don't, I can't imagine speaking multiple languages. I applaud the people that do. It's an in- incredible job uh, to say the least, but um, Demetrius Andre busted in his uh, post uh, press conference after the fight on Saturday night and basically wants to fight. And he's like, Hey, when are you going to fight me? And Canelo started um, hammering him, mocking him really in, uh, in English. And uh, you know, he doesn't also give him this. He uses uh, he knows one English word very well and used it quite a bit <laughs> in his berating of Demetrius Andrade. Uh, basically like, man, why are you trying to take the spotlight from me? Like, I just had a big night. Like, who are you? Who, you know, you're, you're a horrible fighter. Like I'm not wasting my time with you and a few other expletives, but uh, I, I liked that Canelo is kind of this calm, cool, and collected guy. He, you know, pre-fight and everything. He doesn't talk a lot of trash and this and that. Um, he just, he's a pro. But even pros can get pushed to an extent, like Saturday night in the presser, where, uh, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm the man. Like, I'm the man. Like, he, st- he stood up for himself and talked trash right back. And, uh, you know, he doesn't do it often. But when he does... Uh, he comes through and delivers a, a big punch, no pun intended. So uh, I like the way Canelo carries himself. He's a true pro. And, uh, you know, one of the great things with fighters is kind of, you know, them running their mouths and everything. And that's just part of the sport, which is what's what's great about it. But uh, there is something to be said too for the guy that just handles business, right? Guys just guys that shows up, carries himself, uh, you know, com- with confidence, but not arrogance or cockiness. I think it's a fine line. And I think it's something Canelo Alvarez does uh, the best in the business. So uh, that's the last I'll say about him and the fight Saturday night. Congrats again. Looking forward to watching him fight again and looking forward to another huge event, hopefully soon here uh, in uh, the rumor is uh, Alliance state Allegiant stadium. Is that what it is in Las Vegas? Uh, hopefully the new Raider stadium uh, to fill that sucker up with a boxing uh, fight here in the next few months. So I think that would be uh, one big party there in Las Vegas. All right. Let me bounce around here. Let me see. I mentioned it, the Braves at 100% capacity. I think that's awesome. Uh, you know, they're, they're really the only team down there in the South outside of the Florida and Texas is of the world. Uh, so a lot of Braves fan for Braves fans for that uh, region of the country uh, have that option now to go to Braves games at hundred percent capacity. I think it's great. I follow Outkick the coverage, right? I mentioned uh, I mentioned that often, and they posted something on the the sports writer Peter King. 
he of course had to comment on how awful and terrible it is that there's a hundred percent capacity attendance at a baseball game saying something like nothing to see here, 500 something thousand deaths. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, I mentioned it already. Some people love the idea of, uh, of being scared, being terrified of, of not wanting people to live their lives and wanting to control them. And uh, I do not believe that here. I believe that if you, you sh- I believe in freedom, freedom, uh, freedom of choice, getting out there and doing what you want to do. So uh, yeah, congrats to the Braves. I hope more and more teams uh, continue to open up because I turned on a, a Yankee game on uh, Mother's Day and I flipped it on. I was like, oh man, there's Nick, nobody there. And then I realized, oh yeah, we have still have these, uh, draconian lockdowns uh in in, in attendance uh, measures in, in some of these uh states and such so that was really weird to see but hey texas is open florida's open the braves the atlanta braves they they opened up i mean hey hopefully uh, you want to talk, talk about shaming people uh shaming states maybe if, if more states open more cities uh open up their attendance and everything that it'll show just how ridiculous places like California are, even though they say, oh, California's going to open uh, next month or whatever. Yeah, I've heard that before. Okay, uh, congrats to the Braves. Uh, I talked to you guys about football over the weekend, some playoff football, that is, and uh, two semifinal games in the FCS division, also known as Division One AA. The uh, two games were played on Saturday to determine who would be playing in the national championship game. And uh, honestly, the first game was a blowout. The second game looked like it was going to be a blowout and then turned into one heck of a comeback. So uh, I will read to you quickly a little info on the games. South Dakota State dominated uh, Delaware 33-3. to uh, That game was the early game, uh, at least here on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, really not much uh, fun to watch. Um, first quarter was semi-close. And then the second quarter, South Dakota State put up 20 points and and that was pretty much it from there. So congrats to South Dakota state, the Jackrabbits. I like that unique uh, mascot name. Kind of like who else is that? Long beach poly is the Jackrabbits out here in SoCal, but South Dakota state advances to the national championship game. And one uh, comment on that game. uh, I was incredibly happy for a few individuals who were on that game as uh, officials ref uh, head referee, Scott root, who's been on this podcast before a few months back. He was the referee on that game. Uh, ben Sheffers, Juan Cardenas, uh, and uh, Brian Beck, all guys uh, from out here in uh, California. And my very good friend, a big mentor of mine uh, in the officiating uh, game, uh, uh, Rich Hanna uh, was on the game, trying to get him on the podcast here soon. So maybe he'll tell us about that experience, even though it was a blowout. And there were some other guys on the crew from like Washington and Utah, but a very California heavy crew that worked that uh, national semifinal, a big assignment for those guys. So a huge congrats to them. Uh, you know, for people that don't know, like officials out there, anytime you get assigned uh, a big game, that's, that's a level of achievement. It's not quite the same as teams, you know, playing through the playoffs and getting to a championship or a semifinal in this case, but uh, it, it is rather special for officials to be selected to work pretty high level games. I know I was wearing a, a championship ring the other day and uh, from a game that I had worked uh, at one of the biggest uh, high school games I worked a football championship game. And someone's like, Hey, referees get rings. I'm like, yeah, guys get rings. It's like an achievement. Like, Hey, if a guy works a super bowl or a world series, yeah, they're, they're getting a ring. Cause that's an achievement, man, to be selected for that. So uh, again, congrats to the crew for me. There wasn't much to talk about the game because it was a blowout. 
but I'm very happy for a few good friends of mine. The biggest assignments they've gotten to to uh, to date, at least um, at this level, and uh, I couldn't be more happy. Some great guys, some guys that are hard workers and put a lot into uh, the game of officiating, and uh, just so incredibly happy for them. Once again, Scott Root, Ben Sheffers, Juan Cardenas, uh, Brian Beck, Rich Hanna, a few other guys on the crew as well that I don't know, but congrats to them too. Uh, very great uh, representatives of the Big Sky Conference and uh, very well-deserved on the assignment there. Well, let's talk about the other game that took place between James Madison and Sam Houston. This appeared to be another blowout early. Uh, James Madison had a 24-3 to lead at halftime, and it was the third quarter where the game really changed. Sam Houston State put up 28 points, outscores James Madison 28-3 to in the third quarter, and then they traded touchdowns there in the fourth. But uh, it was Sam Houston State who rallied coming back from down 24-3 at halftime to win the football game 38 38- to 35 i don't know if anyone was watching this or if maybe you started to watch and then turned it off or whatever that's kind of what i did because i had to get to work too but uh when i saw the comeback and i tried to tune tune in uh, at the end and and get a little a little piece at the end there but i was uh, too little too late but uh, congrats to sam houston state man on on beating james madison and and james madison is a pretty traditional power who's been there quite a bit towards the end of the postseason Usually, so that's a big win for uh, Sam Houston State to take them down and advance to the national championship game against South Dakota State, which will take place uh, two weeks from now. On it's a Sunday, I believe. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just one week. I believe it's going to be uh, May twelfth. Anyway, I'll I'll tell you guys about that here uh, upcoming. But um, South Dakota State and James, excuse me, and not James Madison and Sam Houston advanced to the national championship game with big wins over the weekend. James Madison tried a 51 yard field goal with like two minutes left, but uh, it wasn't close. That would have tied it. But uh, Sam Houston rallies for the big win and advances to the national championship. South Dakota State and Sam's Houston, Sam Houston uh, here in a week or two for the national championship. I'd love to see it. I'm glad they got their season in and their postseason in without any issues. And here we are on the cusp of finishing another sports season uh, outside of this or in, in this whole COVID lockdown experience that we've all seen. So uh, man, congrats to uh, the NCAA for at least for doing that, for getting that, the, those playoffs done and uh, one more game to go, but we'll, we'll tune in and talk about that here when that takes place either next week or the week after. All right, let's take a break from sports. Briefly, uh, I have some other topics I want to get to and discuss and just some uh, things that I see in baseball happening, um, some other, you know, randomness that I'm going to spew out today, but I do want to get to our suds with studs segment today. We've been doing that the past couple of weeks. Uh, well, past few months actually, but we've been doing suds with studs on Monday and there were some times where we didn't always get it in. So I do want to try to make it a weekly thing if possible. Uh, I know sometimes I, I have to skip it or have other things going on, but um, I, I do want to honor some heroes weekly, if possible, here on the Suds with Studs segment. We call this segment Suds with Studs because these are people that we would love to sit down and have a beer with, not just by the first round, but every single round. And uh, you know, a lot of times this is people from the past, so they've passed away, or maybe people that 
uh, were killed in the line of duty, police officers, some people that died in combat uh, in, uh, in wars and such. But we do want to honor some heroes today. And I got another great one for you uh, today that I'm going to read. I believe this article was written by Cindy K. Coffin, who uh, posted the, a lot of the photos here in this uh, brief description of this person. We're going to be talking today about Corporal Joshua Jones from the Civil War. This uh, brief uh, description of him is written, if I, I don't know if there's another site for this or not, but it's findagrave.com slash memorial. Uh, so um, just trying to give the source there a little credit. Um, apparently, I guess this has to do with, I don't know if it's only military graves or any grave out there. If you can look someone up, I'm not sure. But uh, this is written about Corporal Joshua Jones, who fought in the Civil War. He is buried at uh, Antietam National Cemetery, one of the big bloody battles of the Civil War. And I will read to you uh, briefly his story. Uh, born in 1838, and again, this is probably written by Cindy Coffin, um, but it's written um, at uh, findagrave.com if you want to look it up and look up some more information regarding Joshua Jones. I always encourage you guys, please look up some info on these people. Take five minutes to read up on them or look up a video or something to honor them and pay tribute to them. Okay, here is uh, the brief little article here on uh, Joshua Jones. Civil War Union veteran of Company E, 19th Indiana Infantry. At 21 years of age, on March 20th, 1859, he married Celia Gibson, whom he had known for 10 years. She was born in Monroe Township and was the daughter of Garrett and Sarah Gibson. On June 3rd, 1860, their son, George Jones, was born. Joshua mustered into the service as a private on July 29th, 1861 leaving behind his beloved wife and infant son. He and the other young men who enlisted for a three-year tour of duty that day formed the 19th Indiana Volunteer Infantry Regiment under the command of Solomon Meredith. Destined for intense fighting in the major battles of the Eastern Theater, the regiment became part of the Iron Brigade, also known as the Black Hats Brigade. They would suffer the most casualties of any brigade during the Civil War. During his time in the service, Joshua wrote letters home, most of which were addressed to his wife, Celia. He wrote about camp life, poor food, guard duty, having to march in cold, wet weather, and the hardships of war. By 1862, he mentioned the possibility of death more frequently and hoped for a leave of absence that would give him a chance to see Celia and George again. He did not engage in the usual distractions of drinking, card playing, or gambling during his free time, but found ways to benefit from these activities. He loaned money with interest, then sent his earnings home. He also sold personal items that some of the other soldiers might want and was essentially pleased when he made a profit. In one of his letters, he commented, he commented to Celia, quote, some is smart and some ain't. <laughs> While fighting in the Battle of Antietam, he was shot in the leg. The wound was severe, shattering his leg. He was left without medical attention for two days, a captive of the Confederates. When his comrades could finally reach him, he could not bear to ride in an ambulance. His friends carried him on a stretcher for almost four miles to a barn near Keedyville, 
doctors had to amputate his leg and feared he would sur- he would not survive in his weakened condition. However, there was no alternative. The leg was amputated and John's, John, Jones died on September 28th. He was laid to rest in the Antietam National Cemetery at Sharpsburg, Maryland. His wife, Celia, saved his Civil War letters and passed them on to her son and grandchildren in her later years. The letters are still in the family, preserved by his great-granddaughter. There is then uh, a letter here uh, written from Joshua Jones. Not sure if this was his final letter um, that he wrote, but uh, you know, some really powerful letters that he wrote back home to his family. And it really, I think, paints a picture for all of us as to what life was like. Y'all see, we all see movies, we uh, read books, but to read letters from someone who was a part of it for so long, probably saw some truly horrific uh, things on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, when those guys weren't out there fighting or marching, they were just trying to find ways to get through it all. And uh, for Mr. Jones here, he wrote home. And uh, yeah, if you want to read up on him, read some of those letters, I encourage you to, but to Corporal Joshua Jones, thank you for your service. Uh, Gone far too soon, uh, passed away at uh, 23 years old. 23 years of age in 1862, uh, died a hero. And, uh, I can't imagine, you know, laying there dying for for a few days, uh, without medical treatment and then, uh, having to have a leg amputated and and then dying in that horrific manner. Uh, so sad, but unfortunately one of many uh, people from that era who went through a similar fate, unfortunately. So, uh, to corporal Joshua Jones, I uh, salute you, sir. Uh, I would love to sit down and have a beer with you and not just by the first round, but every single round. So God bless you for your service and uh, God bless uh, your family uh, and, and them continuing that your legacy, carrying it on, uh, even if it's something as simple as uh, holding on to letters that you wrote back during the civil war. So uh, anyway, uh, that's our, our uh, honoree this week for our segment uh, suds with studs and now we will move back into some sports conversations uh, from over the weekend if you're a baseball fan here in southern california uh, you definitely were tuned into the freeway series the los angeles dodgers and the anaheim angels the or whatever they are the anaheim angels of uh, los angeles or southern california planet earth whatever their, their name is personally i think they should be the orange county angels i think I know that's not a city name, but neither is Washington, D.C., right? The Washington Nationals, that's a a district. And uh, I I think Orange County Angels would be a a more suitable name. Everyone around the country knows what Orange County is, but I guess they have to have the name Anaheim in them legally. Anyway, uh, whatever their name is, uh, they took it to the Dodgers over the weekend, taking two out of three. And I know what Dodger fans are going to say. All the Dodger fans are, well, yeah, we're World Series champions. Disneyland Angel, you know, and, and this brings me uh, this brings me to an argument, or it's not an argument; it's a comment on an argument, really. Uh, first off, the scores from the weekend: uh, the Dodgers get beat up pretty good on Friday night uh, by a score of nine to two, giving up uh, a four-run spot in the second inning and the sixth inning. Uh, the Angels really taking it to the Dodgers, pounding out thirteen hits and uh, getting up on them early and often. The Dodgers. Uh, brought their bats on 
Saturday, but so did the Angels. A 14 to 11 game. And what troubled me from this game, even though the Dodgers won the game, pounded out 17 hits, uh, they also gave up 11 hits. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers put up an eight run and a five run inning. But it was later in the game, uh, the Angels coming back with a four run inning in the sixth and a seven run inning in the seventh. So even in a win, the Dodgers, uh, very troubling, just can't quite, uh, uh, I don't know, can't can't play a complete game, if you will, uh, and, which is very troubling, if, especially the, the, on the relief pitching side of things. Um, but yeah, Kershaw got the win and, and pitched uh, really well. And then the bullpen took over. We know how that goes. So the Dodgers were up, let's see here, 13 to nothing. 13 to nothing and won the game 14 to 11. So I know that's a W and you take any W any way you can, but you got to be concerned if you're a Dodger fan. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I'm sorry. I I don't care that you won the world series last year. Are you the best team on paper in baseball? None of that matters. I mean, an ugly win is still better than a pretty loss, but, but that is uh, man, I don't know. And then Sunday, of course, was the uh, rubber game and it was the angels winning a close game after a lot of offense, on uh, the other two games, uh, angels win two to one. All the scoring was done in the third inning. Uh, w- one run for the Dodgers on a uh, Chris Taylor single. And then, uh, on, uh, let's see the bottom of the third, uh, there was a ground, let's see, ground rule, ground rule, double driving in, uh, two runs for the angels, Jared Walsh with, uh, that two RBI. And that was it. You could have played three innings and, and called the, called it right there, but, uh, you got to play nine in baseball, at least, uh, on the regulation game or regular games. I should say the angels win two to one. They are now 15 and 18. The Dodgers are 18 and 17. And this brings me to the argument I want to talk about. You know, we all have favorite teams. We all have uh, our allegiance, right? And we all argue for our team. Why, why my team's the best? My team's better than yours, blah, blah, blah. Your team's terrible, you know? And you know, Dodger, you know, I got a text from an Angel fan. And he said, yeah, hey, that minor league team in Anaheim just took, took it to the Dodgers. I'm like, yeah, they did. I mean, they should probably hang another, uh, another banner for the, they, hey, won a series in the month of May. I'm sure there's a lot of banners hanging there. Uh, but um, as I've said before, you can tell a lot by a school or an organization by the banners that they hang in their gym. Uh, are they national championship banners or state banners, state championship banners, or are they like league, league, uh, you know, try, try league champions or something. <laughs> Co-champions love that one too. But anyway, all kidding aside, I, I don't like the argument when you argue with team names with teams that, uh, yeah, well, well, how many world series have you won? It's like, that's not the argument. They literally played a game today or yesterday or whatever to say who was better today. This game isn't to determine who has the best heritage or whatever. It's always my favorite when you're like, uh, I, I, I'm hard on the Dallas Cowboys uh, because uh, they're fans. They love to do that. Oh, yeah, well, five Super Bowls, five Super Bowls. Go Cowboys. Five Super Bowls. Is it five? I think it's five. Yeah, it's five. And it's like, okay, but you haven't been relevant in 20-something years. Haven't been relevant. One, two postseason wins, I think. You can only talk about, if the if you're arguing about who has the better history, who has the better heritage, then by all means, those arguments work. But I guarantee you Dodger fans are going like, 
yeah, the Angels asked. So they won a series. Big deal. The Angels now have like a 10-game lead in the all-time series against the Dodgers, by the way. Like, Angels have played way better than the Dodgers over the body of work that the, the times they played each other. I know the Angels have one World Series. The Dodgers have, uh, was it five or six now? But that's not the argument. Who has the better history? You see this all the time with the Clipper and, and Laker fans. Now, you, you know, Clippers will win. Oh, yeah, but they don't have any championships. It's like you don't play the game to argue history. The game is played that day to determine who's better that day. You want to argue about things, about history. I just think it's so dismissive and it's almost childish when uh, teams argue about sports. It's like, can you imagine doing that in any other walk of life? Think about it. You know, I, I used to have a lot of money. I don't anymore. I used to have a lot of money. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that doesn't mean anything. I used to be, uh, I, you know, you see that with guys talking about the good old days of playing balls. I, I used to be really good. Okay, you used to be. Well, you're not anymore. So I used to have a really cool job. I had a great job. I used to have a really cool girlfriend. Okay, that's in the past though. Should be proud of those things. Yeah, sure. Those are good things to be proud of. You guys kind of understand my point though. Like, oh, we have more World Series than any. Okay, yeah, but you haven't been relevant. You haven't won one in oh not since what oh nine Yankees. And I know they're different. Okay, 27 times or whatever they've won. But it's like anytime someone who's really good loses a game, that's always the argument. Oh, yeah, well, well, we have, which, and, I, and I've already told you guys my thoughts on the whole we thing too. But the whole I used to, uh, I, I used to have this, I used to be that. We only do that in sports because it would, because it, it would sound ridiculous anywhere. I think it still sounds ridiculous. Clippers uh, beat the Lakers and it's like, oh, well, the Clippers, yeah, they don't have any championships. It's like, well, you can't win a championship today. Today was the game that <laughs> was played. Or Dodgers-Angels it was this weekend. The Angels were better than you. Dodgers, you, where they finish, they probably won't finish better than the, than the Dodgers. But you played the game today. You played the game this weekend. That's why you play the game, to see who determine, who's the winner and loser today or this weekend or whatever. If that wasn't the case, then you wouldn't play games. You do the, the stupid college football thing. Well, that team's better than this team, so... They should advance. No, you play games. You play games for the reason to, to see. I just hate the dismissive argument when your team loses and you, you quote history. California used to be a great state. It's terrible now. Yeah, there, there's another good one. Like it, it's, irre, it's, it's irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. I think it's cool, you know, when you'd be proud of the chance. Rams have won Super Bowl. And it was one of the best days ever. I, I remember it well. And I remember every loss well too, but it's like when you're talking about legacy of teams or people or players, okay, I get, I get the championship argument, but anytime someone like when someone beats your team, that seems to be the fallback position for, for, oh yeah, well, how many championships? That's like, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> my, my team just beat your team. They literally played a game to determine now, not history. But you see that with a lot with Laker and Dodger fans. Dodger fans, uh, they can now say, you know, the 2020 World Series. But they had, you know, they were five times, I think, before that. But hadn't won one since 88. And uh, it's just funny to me. 
you see this so much in fan bases. It's like, we're not arguing legacy or heritage or history or whatever. Notre Dame, they're another one. Oh, 12 time national champions or whatever you did back when uh, games were in black and white or whatever. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Type of thing. Be proud of your history, but don't make that your argument. Don't be a sore loser that way. Oh yeah. I'm still better than you. Well, you're not better than me now. Can you, I just can't imagine that. I used to drive a nice car, man. Okay. Well, you don't anymore. <laughs> it's time for a new car. Anyway, the whole deflecting thing. That is uh that is just crazy. Okay, two th- two topics I want to discuss. Uh I'll do the first one first. Okay, I'm I've been driving Uber and Lyft more now, right? Since I got back to work and I do it like to and from work. I used to do it full time and it about killed me. But uh, I still get some uber stories or some things as i'm driving driving around strangers that i you know want to talk about and and man let me tell you there's there's multiple ways ways to get a low rating <laughs> as a as a passenger uh and some girls get in the they were going out on friday night or something but they were just loud i mean shouting loud and i know everyone has a little bit to drink or whatever they get a little crazy but you still got to carry yourself accordingly and People forget that you're in someone else's car. There's just a lack of like respect. And then the topic is a conversation too. That'll, that for, at least for me, I don't know where other, how other people do their ratings and such. Cause you always have to rate the passengers, you know, one to five stars. And most people are five stars because there's no issue, no drama, but um, man, these girls got in the car and they were just, they were loud. And then their topics of conversation were unpleasant. And I'm like, Ah, you're, it's not five stars. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta knock you down a peg or two. So, um, when you get in someone's car, it's an Uber or Lyft. I mean, number one, keep your voice down and and keep in mind some conversations, discussions (laughs) aren't for everyone's ears. We'll say, so, uh, I'm going to keep you guys posted on maybe some bad Uber and I do Lyft also, Uber and Lyft driving experiences. I don't have that many, honestly, because most people are great. So people always ask, what's your worst experience? And there's, there's not a whole lot of them. But man, I just think we we forget how to carry ourselves sometimes. Like, I don't know if it's a young person thing or, or what it is, this sense of entitlement. Like, I paid for an Uber so I can act however I want to act. No, no, you can't. <laughs> so uh, it. And, and I, I've said this before on the podcast, I wish there were ways to, to rate uh, every other, other aspects of our life, right? The grocery store line, the drive-through window. And I know you can go on Yelp and do that stuff, but like just a quick instant, hey, five stars, one star, what am I, you know, boom. So uh, how to get a low rating in Uber, just by, by not being aware that you're in someone else's car, being too loud and talking about subjects that uh, maybe aren't for everybody's ears. Anyway, uh, another thing going now that things are opening up more and more, uh, going out versus staying in forever. And it probably had to do with the fact that I was living at, uh, you know, my dad's house There's no knock on him. I love him. And I love, I love, uh, him and my brother and my mom when she was around too. And like, you know, living with family, I think you do have a, this urge to go out more, go out to eat, go out to meet a friend for a drink, go out to do anything really. Uh, but going out versus staying in like Sunday, we stayed in, we cooked up a bunch of food, uh, had some drinks out, had a great time. And 
I don't know. I used to be, well, when I'm on the road, you don't really have a choice, right? When I was umpiring, you don't have a choice. You're, you're out, you know, you, you eat at a restaurant cause you don't have a choice. I mean, you could try to cook something in a hotel room, but that never goes well. If you have, if you have a stove and stuff, which usually you don't anyway. So I have found that I enjoy uh, staying in versus going out. I don't crave that. Like I, I, I applaud people that are doing it now, especially after all this lockdown and everything, but I don't crave that like social interaction that I know some people do. I like having people over. So that kind of fulfills that, that need every now and then it's nice to go out, but man, when being at home is cool, you got, you got your TV, no line in your restroom. Um, you, you, you've already purchased the food and the drinks. So you you can get that rather quickly. I mean, you can pause the, the game or something if you're watching a game. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm a huge fan of staying in versus going out way cheaper. I've spent so much money when, when I was going out before. And I think I could do a whole show on uh, going out versus staying in. And uh, maybe here with some upcoming guests, I will, I will ask them that question more often. Like, Hey, are you a go out guy or a stay in kind of guy? Because I think you need a little bit of both, right? You do need a little bit of uh, each one has uh, perks, pros and cons, if you will. But I like staying in, man. I, I just, People are like, what are you going to do this weekend? I'm like, well, I'm gone all day working. So it's kind of nice to be home. <laughs> and so whatever you call home, whether it's a big house, small apartment, uh, home is home for a reason, right? It's a uh, it's, uh, place you like to be at, hopefully. <laughs> so I uh, much prefer some people go out in the afternoon, uh, you know, the retired folk, they like to maybe go get a, a slice of pizza and a beer in the, uh, the late afternoon or before the uh the after work crowd or whatever, or some people like to, uh, to go out to happy hour on a Tuesday night or something. And some people love going up to a, some club or a bar on a Friday night. Like, I don't know. I'm not against any of those things, but I just much prefer being home, watching a fight, watching a, a good movie. Um, maybe just having some music on and chatting with friends who are over. Or, I mean, it could be anything, but I, I enjoy, uh, being home and staying in versus going out. It's like, that's like the whole concept of going to a game versus watching the game on TV. Trust me, there's times I want to get to a game. I want to be there. I would have loved to be there in, in Dallas on the Saturday night, just to say I was there. I was in the building, right? Even though you're probably not seeing much, you're watching it on the jumbotron more than anything. Sometimes it's cool knowing, Hey, I was there. I was there at that game. It's not as cool to say uh, I knew where I was when I was watching that you know, at a friend's house or whatever. And we had a barbecue and no, it's, it's, it's cool to say, oh, I was there. I was there at that, at that game. Um, but yeah, staying in versus going out. I don't know. Let me know your guys' thoughts. What do you prefer? If you do like going out, what, what, what are you looking for? Is it to be around other people? Is it to, to people watch? I mean, it's just to meet other people. I don't know. For some people, they love that whole social aspect of, it. I never really did. I'm just like, I don't crave being around other people. I think some people do though. And it's to, to each his own. That's the irony for me is uh, I'm, I'm a very big uh, supporter of people going out now and getting out amongst other people, even though it's not really for me. I like to keep myself more. Uh, I'll do it. But anyway, you guys know what I understand what I mean. I saw this question asked and I, and I thought, man, that's a good question. And I don't even have an answer yet. I have, I have to think about this for a little while. Uh, what would be your best golf foursome? So you and three other people could be anyone, anyone from history, uh, famous people, whatever, who would be three people you would love to have play golf with? I'm like, I got to think about that one. 
I think that again, it would be a fun question to ask guests when they, when they, when they come up here and whether you play golf or not, it's just being around some people for a few hours. If you had, if you could choose. So think about that. And if you have any suggestions, send them my way. Let me know uh, some of your people who you'd like to uh, see and hang out with. It doesn't have to be golf, but that's just how the question was. Uh, let me see. No, I don't want to talk about that today. Let me see. Let me see. Scrolling down through my notes here. We talked about Canelo. Uh, we talked about, okay, baseball. Back to baseball. You know, I, I, I'm very critical of broadcasters uh, who like to hammer umpires, uh, and most of them do, not all of them. Uh, but in umpiring the, the years I did, it was funny the things that you were told from hitters, from coaches, from pitchers, catchers. Um, the, the different like phrases, like a lot of them were just like, it's like, everybody says that everybody says that where'd you guys learn to say that? Um, you know, my favorite one was you'd call a, a high strike and I do mean high strike, not one that's borderline, but one that is top of the zone, you know, at least half the balls in the zone. And then you'd call one at the bottom of the zone. You'd call one, you know, call one at the below the letters and then you or above the belt. And then you'd call one at the, uh, the bottom of the knee and hitters would say, Oh, you can't, you can't have both of those. And it was like, what do you mean? You can't have both of those. The strike zone is this box. And hey, the ball could be over here. The ball could be over here. It could be up here. It could be down here. You can't have, you can't have both of those. I guess insinuating that. Okay. If it's a little more, if you call a little bit more outside, uh, off the plate, like, okay, I can live with that. But then you call off the plate inside too. That's if you're calling it off the plate, but I'm talking about pitches that were, were definitely in the zone that people are like, Oh, you can't have inside and outside. I was like, wait, <laughs> what? Yes, you can. First of all, who made that rule? No one made the rule. You can't have the inside and the outside. See broadcasters say that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You, what you can only run to first base. You can't run to second base. Like, what does that mean? Ah, uh, it just frustrates me. Hitter, yeah, hitters would say that. Now, don't get me wrong. If you kick a call, you call one that's way high, and then you call one way low. Like, yeah, you're all over the place. But you can't, you can't call the both of those. I'm like. Oh, come on. Uh, one good comment I heard from a manager in the, in minor league baseball was uh, he was a pretty fair guy. He was hard on you, but he was a fair guy and I was calling pitches. And um, I called one that was probably low. It was a, it wasn't a lot low, but it was a little low. And the manager says, ah, come on. He hasn't earned that one yet. And I actually thought that was phrased pretty well. Like, okay, if a guy is throwing darts and, and maybe, uh, maybe you give him one that it wasn't quite there. It's like, okay, he's been all, he's been, he's been dialing it in. He's been throwing a lot of strikes. Yeah. The, you know, the other argument would be like, well, he doesn't need help. Like he's throwing strikes just fine. Don't help him. But uh, anyway, the, uh, I always found that funny, but I, I did appreciate that, um, that comments from that manager that day. Cause he was like, okay, I could see if, if the pitchers earned it, he's been around it. Like, Hey, you, he gets that one. Hey, he gets the benefit of, of being in the zone quite a bit. Right. Whereas the, the shoes on the other foot, if a pitcher's all over the place and then he throws one that's borderline, right. The one that you, we all know what that pitch is. Maybe it's in the zone. Maybe it's not, I'm not going to split hairs, but it's a, it's a borderline pitch. And, and if a guy is all over the place and then he wants that one, a pitcher, I'm talking about a pitcher in this case, 
It's like, dude, you're all over the place. You're all over the place. And then you throw one that's close. And now you're going to like throw a fit. I know you're frustrated with your performance, but I'm frustrated with your performance. Don't make my, why don't you put one uh, over the meat of the plate here? Make it easy for both of us. So uh, that, that is tough for an umpire. I will say when a guy's all over and then the one's close and you're like, no, I can't give him that one. Like, cause there's plenty of pitches that way. A lot of pitches call themselves, but there's plenty of tough ones out there. But I thought of that the other day watching, uh, I think it was Manny Machado. And I, I can't stand that guy. He, uh, he took a pitch that he didn't like and then took another one that was even better, but you could read what he was kind of saying. Like, you can't give him both of those. It's like, well, they're both in the zone or at least one was very close in the zone. So uh, come on. Got me thinking, uh, what else did I see on the baseball side of things? This drives me crazy. It, it, it makes me so mad as, as an umpire. Um, a guy would take a, a strike two, being mad at strike two, and then after strike three that he swung at, then turn around and giving you a hard time. To me, he, he was defeated long ago. If you're still dwelling on a pitch you didn't like during the at-bat, you haven't moved on. You've defeated yourself mentally, I think. But baseball players, in a lot of ways, they need somebody to blame because it's a, it's a game of failure and you have to uh, have a scapegoat somewhere. And well, that, you know, your life is unfair, right? You know, I know that's not such a big deal having a pitch called against you, but in their eyes, it is like you took that at, that was my favorite. You took that at bat from, from me. What you get, there's a reason you get three strikes. Like, okay, maybe a pitch was, and a lot of times it's not like an egregious miss. It's like something that's really, really close that they disagree with. But I used to hate that. Oh, you gave him a strike too. And that's why I struck out. no. Or, or you call a low one and then there's one in the dirt that he swings at. And they, you made me swing at that. It's like, it's not even relatable. They're not even close to the same. So anyway, I, I cannot stand that. I see that all the time with, um, with batters, I, that, that exchange. And people don't understand how, how often that the uh, hitters and umpires talk catchers too you can't see them because they never turn around which is uh, how it should be but a lot of times hitters just asking hey is that the top of the zone hey is that the bottom hey is there a little bit more there you know stuff like that um but yeah you hear those other other ones too hey you made me swing at that i didn't make you swing at anything <laughs> i called a pitch that was nowhere nowhere near what you just swung at but so you your your argument is uh is, is false uh, let's see here. So apparently I talked about capacity crowds and everything. College baseball is wrapping up here soon and we'll be in the postseason. I think in two weeks. And it's going to be really weird that some of these sec schools, you know, that schools in Texas schools in Florida, uh, down in Mississippi, Ole Miss and Mississippi state, right. Two of the best teams in college baseball right now. They're, they're going to have, uh, they've had huge attendance, hundred percent attendance, 10, 12,000 people. And now College baseball is saying, well, it's going to be 25% uh, capacity. The NCAA is, I don't know if that number's going to continue to stay accurate, but uh, I just don't see how you can do that to these schools. You know, you're used to having 10, 12,000 people. Now you're going to make, make it, what would that be? 3,000, 3,000 people. You're going to bring it all that, that lower. And then you got places like say UCLA, which I think seats a thousand people. So you're going to only allow what would that be? 250 people at these games. 
I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, if a place has a hundred percent capacity and, uh, then they should be able to have a hundred percent capacity. <laughs> I don't know if it's the NCAA trying to have a level playing field, but uh, I, I don't get it. I think it's, it's stupid and uh, doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, okay. I'll get into all this other stuff another time. That's probably enough for today. Uh, two, UFC 262 is this weekend. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, it's a pay-per-view event. So, uh, the one, the one drawback of, of, uh, being a fight fan is that, uh, it can, it can be rather expensive because, uh, if you pay for a, have a bunch of pay-per-views, um, every, uh, every week I try to do once one a month. And I think that's UFC typically is the one a month. That's why I have that DAZN uh, channel as well. That's a, that is a uh, subscription-based content. But um, anyway, we do have a pretty good card on UFC this Saturday. My brother Sam's birthday, May 15th, and my good friend Todd Carson's birthday. They share a birthday. It's easy for me to remember uh, two of my favorite guys in the world. So happy early birthday to those guys. Be sure to uh, reach out to them, loyal listeners of the program. Uh, this is going to be UFC 262, the, the co-main event is Tony Ferguson against Benel, Benel Darlish. And the lightweight main event is Charles Oliveria, uh, Oliveira excuse me, against Michael Chandler. So um, 30 and eight against 22 and five. Pretty good matchup there in the lightweight division, uh, which is the 155 pound uh, range there. So looking forward to that. I'm not sure where it's going to take place. Uh, looks like it's going to be in Houston, in Texas. God bless Texas, man. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. Another full event, I'm sure, full crowds. So UFC doing, hey, they, they keep rolling along, man. I'm telling you, boxing keeps momentum. Follow UFC's lead, man. They're doing it right. Can't wait for the uh, the, the, the card this weekend. Hopefully can get off work and uh, get home in time to at least see the co-main event and the main event. That is my goal. It costs a little money, I know, pay-per-view, but hey, I gladly support a great run organization like UFC and, and the great leadership of Dana White. One other thing to look forward to this week, May 12th, which is Wednesday, the NFL schedule will be released uh, sometime in the evening. I believe they're doing a special on the NFL network and everything. So most people, your, your teams, you know who you're playing already. It's just what time of the year, obviously what days, you know, that we can kind of plan our calendars accordingly for the upcoming fall season. Remember there's an added game this year. So 17 game season first in NFL history. Uh, that they were playing more than 16 regular season games. So that is something to be excited about. I can't wait for the uh, the Rams schedule to be released on Saturday, Sunday, excuse me, on Wednesday, man, I'm all over on Wednesday, as well as all the other teams, because I I'm crazy. I, I pull out my calendar. I write down all the Monday night football games, the Sunday night football games. Uh, I'd start maybe planning a road trip that I can go uh, watch the Rams at I, Sam and I, two years ago, went to Dallas to see uh, AT&T stadium and Jerry's world. This is one of the best trips. Uh, most, one of the most enjoyable Rams losses I've ever experienced. <laughs> so uh, uh, keep an eye out for the NFL schedule release on, um, on uh, let's see here. Wednesday, man, I did it again. Sorry. It's been a long weekend. It's been a long Monday morning piecing everything together. I got to get off, uh, get off to work now. And um, there's a lot of, a lot of things to uh, get done here. And I'll be recording with Bill Barnes, our episode uh, for Wednesday. We're going to record that on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this Monday, 
then you kind of know uh, where, where we'll be at. But uh, Tuesday with Bill Barnes, I will record. So get those questions or content suggestions or comments in uh, before I record with Bill Barnes tomorrow. But we will send you a friendly reminder on the uh, little appetizer show Bill and I do on Facebook Live. I'm trying to do more Facebook Live videos when I want to talk about something that is kind of like, I don't know, recent, current breaking news or something. That way I don't have to do a whole podcast episode on it. Uh, that's why I did the NFL draft stuff, uh, talking about the Rams specifically in a Rams fan group page that I uh, created. And so uh, more and more content here from the get home safe podcast. I appreciate all you guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, not just today, but all throughout this uh, process, all the different episodes we've put out. I had some other things I wanted to get to today, but I think that's enough for now. I'll save some of those for our conversation with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Uh, reminder guys to subscribe to the podcast, uh, not just wherever you listen to your podcast, but also YouTube. Uh, most episodes are going to be on video now. So uh, that's just a, a fun option for you guys. And I do want to tell you about our Friday guests. We're going to be joined by the executive director of Care Youth League, John Martin. He's also a board member for uh, Pasadena City College and is the chief financial officer for Minuteman Transportation, a company I used to work for in my college days. So fun conversation with him talking about the future of Care Youth League and uh, you know going down memory lane a little bit too. So be sure to join us on Friday for that conversation with Mr. John Martin, a really friendly guy. I, I teased him. I told him, you know, you remind me of Tim Kirchin from Baseball Tonight. He has kind of that same voice and, and demeanor. Uh, but anyway, uh, fun conversation on Friday with John Martin that I hope you guys will join us uh, for or whenever you get to it. And uh, what was last Friday? We had a great episode with Mike Kearns. Went almost two hours, my former basketball assigner. That was a blast and uh, got some great feedback from that episode. So uh, thank you to all who listened or watched it on YouTube. And uh, I promise you guys that we're going to continue to do more, uh, more and more video because you guys seem to like it. And uh, it's one more step, one more thing to do, but hey, uh, that's, that's part of running the, running the show here, running a podcast. You got, got to put the time in, got to put some hard work in. So looking forward to all the great things here upcoming for the get home safe podcast, NFL schedule release Wednesday, UFC 262 on Saturday. And we'll be back on Monday to recap all of those, uh, those and other sports stories, as well as some other randomness, weird topics. I, I like talking about, um, just daily life stuff, whether it's Uber driving or you're just living here at the house and interactions at work, whatever. It could be anything. So that's what, uh, what, what today was Monday randomness and, uh, some sports stories, uh, angels take two or three from the Dodgers, uh, Canelo Alvarez, uh, you know, gets that third belt in the super middleweight division and, uh, Sam Houston and South Dakota state will be playing for the division one double a FCS national championship game in football in a couple of weeks. So plenty of sports stories recapped and hopefully many more here upcoming in the future. Guys have a great week. Uh, be sure to join us Wednesday for the weekly Wednesday weigh in with Bill Barnes. And then our Friday conversation with John Martin. Hope you will tune in for all that, or at least get to uh, get to it at some point, right? That's the beauty of the podcast is it never goes away. So thanks for all the support guys. Hope you have a wonderful week and guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the Get Home Safe podcast. Anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like Apple, Spotify, Google, and many more. We also have a YouTube channel that is brand new for us. Not a whole lot of content on there yet, but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward, as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics, or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Guys, have a great rest of the week. And as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Thank you.